0: Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us this week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass US Wine Market. Today I'm thrilled to welcome Matteo Frescobaldi to the Italian Wine Podcast. Matteo is the youngest member of the 30th generation of Marchese Frescobaldi, a family company with 700 years of history producing fine wines and olive oil in Tuscany. Since 2018, Matteo has led the olive oil side of the business, combining his family's traditions with innovation and creativity as Laudemio Frescobaldi's brand manager. A ESCP Business School alum and 2020 Forbes Italia, 100 under 30 recipient as well. Very impressive. Welcome to the show, Mateo. It's great to have you here.
1: Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to spend time talking with you.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So today we're going to talk about running two different businesses side by side as a family, olive oil and wine. But before we dive into today's discussion, Matteo, tell us a little bit more about your family's legacy in Tuscany. I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners know about Frescobaldi, of course, but they might not know all about the rich history. So just, just give us a quick intro about Frescobaldi.
1: Yes, Frescobaldi is a historical uh, family in Tuscany. Uh, our family history starts about a thousand years ago uh, in Florence. As such, the Frescobaldi as most... Uh, noble families uh, in Florence were merchants and bankers during uh, the beginning of the Renaissance and throughout the Renaissance. At the same time, since the year 1300, we began uh, uh, owning land uh, in Tuscany, starting from Florence and then expanding throughout Tuscany, uh, which then started our 700 years of history Uh, focused in wine, in the wine business, but also in general agriculture. But now it's mainly wine and olive oil.
0: Got it. Okay, fantastic. And today we're going to really focus on the olive oil, um, which maybe our listeners are not as familiar with. So in this episode, we're going to talk to you about how do you build a luxury food brand um, like Laudamio Olive Oil in partnership with the wine business? And what are some of those differences um, with the wine industry and, and building, you know, a, a luxury food brand, and both companies have received international recognition. So, we're really excited to to learn from you about how you've carried your family's vision from the vineyards and the cellar to the olive groves. So, our three key takeaways for today's masterclass and what we're excited to learn today from you, Matteo, are number one, um, building a business plan for commercial product growth. How do you how do you go about doing that? How do you start that process? Um, number two, how do you maintain product quality while also, you know, increasing production and becoming an international brand? Uh, and then number three, how do you establish a unique product voice to stay relevant in today's food and beverage uh, trends? And, you know, what can we maybe take away as a wine industry from what you've learned in, in the food business? So to start, you know, Mateo, you, you're the, the brand manager for Laudemio. Um, Tell us a little
1: bit about the history of Laudemio and how the olive oil evolved alongside the family's wine business. Yes, Laudemio um, started in the 1980s as a brand. So the brand Laudemio has about 35 years uh, of age, Uh, but our family has been doing uh, uh, olive oil in Tuscany for a lot of the centuries uh, that we previously said. So the reason why uh, we started Laudemia in the uh, 1980s is because in 1985 in uh, Tuscany, as well as the, the other central and northern Italy, uh, a very cold winter led uh, uh, to a winter frost that lasted several weeks. And uh, uh, in Tuscany specifically, near our, uh, our, let's say, estates where we have our olive groves, Uh, temperatures were so cold that we lost all our olive trees because they all froze. So it was uh, definitely like a tragic event, but it led us to wanting to launch, uh, as you said, a prestigious luxury brand of olive oil for the first time, not only for us, but for the history of extra virgin olive oil. Uh, the reason that we, that we uh, decided to do that was because we had learned from the wine industry that to add value to a product in order to be unique is to give the product a specific character and identity coming from the land, coming from the territory. So when you think of a great wine, even if you don't recognize it, but you're always uh, thinking directly or indirectly to a specific territory. Think of uh, Brunello di Montalcino or uh, Amarone or Champagne. Uh, I don't know which wines you are familiar with, but by saying that name, you are referring to a specific origin where the um, grapes come from and, of course, uh, very good production techniques in order to uh, add value to those uh, grapes. Uh, On the other hand, uh, the olive oil industry, partially also today, but definitely in the 1980s, instead was a a commodity led by commercial brands uh, that used to buy uh, olives and now olive oil uh, from everywhere uh, uh, in the Mediterranean area blend them together and make let's say a low-cost product that is called the extra virgin olive oil food stock.
0: without a sense of place or without a denomination like we we see in wine right that's what was happening in the 80s
1: exactly exactly and it, it often still happens today for the most of olive oil so in the 1980s we thought of making a brand that like the brands of wine would have a high quality, a specific identity and taste because of the origin of the olive oil, the the olives. So, uh, because, first of all, we are an agricultural company, so both for our wines and for our olive oil, we own the land, we own the vineyards, we own the the olive groves uh, with which we make the oil. So we want to have a product that we, we can say that its taste, its great quality comes from uh, a vocated land, so the so called terroir of our uh, olive groves. We chose the name Laudemio because we wanted to give this product its own identity, like you would call a wine champagne, Brunello di Montalcino and so on, without saying olive oil. So we don't want to say, I make oil, but we want to say I make laudanum. The first things were, were to you know write a specific production policy, say that the, the olives come from a certain area, they are harvested in a certain period of the year, they are produced in a certain manner, and the organoleptic characteristics are this and that. And, and that was not Oliver, but that was Laudemio. So this was the philosophy behind the, the launch of this product.
0: Very interesting. So you really modeled it after what your family was doing on the wine side and what was happening in the wine industry with denominations and regions of origins to create uh, a higher quality, more distinguished product in Laudemio. Exactly. Okay. Very interesting.
1: Uh, and we chose the word Laudemio uh, because it comes from the Latin word laude, which means with praise, excellence. Okay. And in the medieval ages uh, in Tuscany, uh, farmers used to call Laudemio the finest part of the yearly crop. Mm, so okay. in, uh, in one word, in the brand name, we already have a feeling of something special.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and were you, the Fresco Baldi is one of the first um, families in Tuscany to create a product like this? Or were there others doing anything similar? Did anyone follow you? Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the market in Tuscany for, for olive oil.
1: Many people were doing good quality olive oil with their brand, uh, but it was not so clear. So, uh, in fact, at the time, no uh, denomination of origin existed uh, in the olive oil sector. Uh, Laudemio still today, people who know about olive oil, they say that Laudemio was the for forerunner of the DOPs of olive oil because uh, the first the DOP of olive oil was born about 10 years uh, after uh, Laudemio. Uh, so it was definitely, let's say, a, a first mover from that point of view. Yeah,
0: you were definitely one of the first. Very interesting. Italian wine podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. So, Matteo, tell us a little bit about your role. You know, you came into uh, the leading Laudamio in 2018 after spending some time traveling and studying. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your role specifically and what inspired you to further develop Lademio into a global brand when when you started working with the company in in 2018. We
1: have been making Lademio, as I said, for 35 years and it was well launched in the 1990s and uh, and then it was sort of forgotten in a way uh, among all of the wines that the company produces for about 20 years. So the let's say it, it was, it had a good reputation. It had a good market distribution in some in some markets, but we thought we thought that it had some great potential uh, to grow. And uh, this is why when I joined the family business, uh, the company and also my, I, I was also very happy to do that. The company had decided to give me the role to make a business plan uh, to value the, the growth potential and also implement the business plan which is not only uh, re- related to increasing the sales but is also related to increasing the production and making new olive groves because uh, we want to have a product that only comes from our olives so at this, uh, while we are increasing our international distribution we are also uh, planting uh, uh, new olive groves and uh, we have been doing that uh, for the past five years and we will continue to do that for the next uh, five years. So it's quite a long-term business plan. Uh, unfortunately, in agriculture, you have to be patient uh, because when you plant a, tea, a tree, it takes about three to five years in order to have a full production. Uh, so we are used to making a uh, long-term business plan. Uh, Myself, personally, before working in the family business, I had uh, been working in a uh, finance consulting company and then in a private equity firm. So my uh, core knowledge was more, in fact, related to business valuation and corporate finance, therefore making business plans. So this is also why the company uh, decided to give me this this role uh, in 2018.
0: Right, that makes a lot of sense. And now, as you said, you're focused on maintaining the quality while expanding the production. Um, and similar to the wine industry, you know, planting new trees is it takes time to come to, to fruition. But tell us a little bit um, about the expansion of the La Demio brand. Um, What are some of your top markets? How is the product performing globally?
1: We have been uh, working very well in the US for, uh, uh, since the very beginning, actually, since the 1990s. And therefore, our first idea was to grow uh, in the markets where we were already strong. And in fact, we have been growing steadily in the US, especially in the past three years we have more than doubled our uh, our distribution, uh, making uh, the US the first market at the moment uh, in terms of export. The second second and third largest markets are Japan and the UK. Uh, Italy, for the whole of the Frescobaldi group, uh, is the major market, and uh, which accounts for about 30% of sales because we want to be uh, strong in our home market so that you know this i think gives a lot of uh, re- reliability of a brand if you as most Americans travel to italy uh, and you see a brand that you find at home you think that that is a reliable brand so our major markets where we have been concentrating are Italy, US, let's say UK, but the, the rest of Europe as well. And Japan, as I said, is one of the uh, major markets, but we are growing also in other Asian Pacific countries like uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, and South Korea.
0: Very interesting. And, you know, it obviously selling olive oil and food products is a whole different uh, system than selling wine, but how closely do you work with the wine side of the family's business with Laudemio? Is there any collaboration? Um, is there any collaboration between the two companies or is it is it run pretty separately? Tell us a little, talk to us a little bit about it's that. It's quite
1: integrated in, in terms of production. Um, so uh, given the fact that we are an agricultural company, in in certain areas of Tuscany where we make where we have both vineyards and olive groves, the production is well integrated because when in different periods of the year where you're not pruning a vineyard, you are pruning an olive grove and when uh, the harvest uh, finish the wine, the grapes harvest finishes, the olive trees harvest begins. So Production is quite uh, uh, integrated, as well as let's say most overheads and uh, back office of of both co- of both businesses, wine and Laudemio. Then the sales is actually pretty much uh, differentiated because, as you said, uh, wine distributors do not distribute olive oil, and vice versa.
0: Exactly. Okay, so on the production side and logistics, there's a lot of integration, but when it comes to the marketing and the sales, it's it's really separate.
1: It's two different businesses. La Demio goes uh, with, uh, uh, let's say, fine food uh, distribution.
0: Right. And is there anything that you're learning from one another, though, in terms of the sales and marketing? Like, you know, the wine team is telling you about market trends. And those are impacting any decisions you're making for Naldemio or vice versa? Like, are you sharing any market insights or do you find that they're they're really different in terms of how the sales and marketing is run for each different category?
1: We do share and it's always interesting to share. At the same time, um, the buyers are different and they speak different languages. The buyer, I'm talking, for example, uh, uh, the sommelier of a restaurant and the chef. So the, the sommelier buys the wine, the chef would buy the Laudemio. What has been giving us, I think, a lot of strength and uniqueness is, is that most marketing uh, communica- and communication of Laudemio speaks a language, um, of a, a language that is of high-quality wines. That is the one that I was saying before of Terroir. So very few food companies really stress uh, the uh, vocation of the territory where the raw materials are made usually food companies they talk about uh, the artisanal production so there is uh, artisanal pasta there is balsamic vinegar that somebody has been aging for a hundred years in a barrel so there's in the food sector there is more communication regarding to how you how you process a raw material, because often, often they buy the raw material. So there's uh, the producer is not really inclined to talking about something that he does not do, because a producer of pasta usually does not cultivate the wheat or, or other things like that. Instead, since we, uh, in a way, Laudemio is a crew of olive oil, uh, we have the same type of communication uh, that you would have in, a, in, a, in fine wines. So when we present and we communicate Laudemio, we talk about, first of all, of the terroir, of the yearly, uh, let's say, climate uh, changes, yearly climate uh, conditions that then you find on the final product in the organoleptic taste, just like you have in different vintages of wine.
0: Right, but that's unique to Laudemio and in, in many parts of the food sector we're still not seeing that language communicated as, as broadly as it might be communicated in the wine industry, it sounds like. Uh,
1: yes, but if I had to do a if I had to give a uh, recommendation for, for the future, I think that, that if you're able to do that, that gives a lot of uniquenesses. Um, because I am not saying that Laudemio is different uh, then it's better than this or better than that. I am saying that Laudemio is unique because of the unique territory of my olive groves. just like a wine is a crew of wine is unique because of where the vineyard is and other people can do a great wine, but they are all going to be different.
0: Absolutely. No, it gives you something quite unique to stand out in the market. It sounds like, um, you know, so, Matteo, your family, as we mentioned when we started, 30 generations, incredible. And and I heard that you just had a baby. Congratulations. So 31 generations. That's so exciting.
1: Thank you. Thank you. But well, then I also have many cousins who had already had kids. So the 31st generation is quite well, uh, well off.
0: <laughs> it's growing. It's growing. That's exciting. So tell us, what are some of the secrets that you think are the key to the success of your family's business over so many
1: years—it's difficult to say over seven hundred years. <laughs> uh, I must say that uh, we there has been uh, very different factors that leads us to today. But coming to the recent history, I think our family uh, merit, our credit was be was being very loyal. Uh, to our identity and our heritage and being first of all uh, agriculture and if you pass me this term farmers in a way because we have we had inherited lots of land from our ancestors and our let's say daily strive our daily commitment is to do the best to cultivate responsibly this land to make the products that respect the the land and add value to this land. And uh, we were lucky that the the wine industry, but now maybe also the food industry, goes uh, uh, on to looking for products uh, that have this sort of characteristic. And at the same time, Tuscany offers great opportunities because it's one of those regions in Italy that many people, um, know uh, know it uh, and look for products that come from authentic products that come from Tuscany so I think that ultimately uh, if I had to um, summarize our uh, greatest thing that we can pass on, uh, on as a recommendation would be authentic, authenticity making authentic products and of course, of great quality.
0: And it's something that the Fresco Baldi family has been doing, you know, before that was a market trend. So you've you've stayed true to your identity, which I think is, is really powerful and an important lesson for, for all of us. So thank you for sharing that. So as we wrap up, Matteo, we end every episode of this podcast with a rapid fire quiz where we'll review the key takeaways from uh, what we discussed. So I'm gonna ask you three questions, if you can do your best to answer just in a couple sentences, um, that would be great. Uh, okay, so question number one, how do you successfully run a distinct business like Laudemio within a larger family company like uh, Marchese Frescobaldi?
1: So my, in, in a few words, I would say that you have to be uh, patient as well as uh, stubborn. Uh, Because, of course, the family has different priorities. The family business has even more different priorities. So you have to, you know, go on your road and trying to every year bring uh, good results in terms of all aspects. First of all, uh, business aspects, but also other um, valuable aspects that people can be proud of. Of, and I think today, our family, our company is very proud of the results of Laudemio.
0: Fantastic. Okay. And question number two, we spoke about Laudemio growing, especially since you joined in 2018. So what are some of your tips for ensuring quality um, as you grow a product and expand your market?
1: From that point of view, and I think our company is uh, very demanding, we always have to try to do the the best. Every year, there's a lot of investment in terms of time in looking how we can improve what we did last year. So it's really a never ending struggle to increase the quality.
0: Absolutely. Okay. And finally, question number three, we spoke about authenticity and sense of place and regionality as a trend that is emerging maybe more in the in the food industry, and that is already very successful in how wine is marketed. But what do you think are some of the most effective ways as a business to stay ahead or be on the lookout for trends in, in the food industry?
1: You uh, have to avoid uh, trying to capture all trends uh, in a way that you would lose your authenticity. So I think that authenticity is very important and doing very well what you're good at. In the olive oil, I see people that make uh, olive oils with garlic, with lemon, with everything. And and those things, uh, if you try to do that, you will never have enough. So at the end, you will use your your focus. So my greatest greatest, uh, recommendation would be to remain loyal to your product, your brand, and always try to do best what you're good at.
0: Okay, I think that's really valuable advice for for all of us. So that's a great way to end the episode. Thank you, Matteo, so much for being here today on Masterclass US Wine Market on the Italian Wine Podcast. Uh, It was great to have you.
1: Thank you so much. Well, it's a great pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.